Right, so I, I need a help, a help this morning. I need a volunteer and probably a younger volunteer that, that can tell me, oh, that's good. Um, but here's, the, here's the, what I need from you, though. Can you tell me the difference between when somebody gives you a gift and when somebody gives you a loan? Do you think you know the difference between that? She says, maybe. Um, uh, a gift is someone giving you a gift, and a get a loan is like money. Um, a loan you gotta. She, fo- she she phoned a friend. All right, so the moment, yeah, that's good. So, all right, all right. So I think she's got the idea. Okay, so I'm gonna pull out my wallet right now. All right. Um, so I am going to not give you a gift right now. She's sad about this. Um, but I am going to give you a loan, all right? And so this is a loan. No honey hut, all right? Not yet, all right? So, so that's real. Um, okay, so I have a favor to ask you, and that is you stay in church the whole service today, all right? And, um, and today I'm going to ask you to remind us of what it means to have something on loan. So when the Lord gives us something, um, we recognize that it's his, right? It's already his resources. It's a, something that he expects for us to use for his glory. And this morning, as we talk about God's word, I want to share with you a, a really special passage of scripture that celebrates the fact that when the Lord has provided for us, that his expectation is that we join him in what he's doing to bring himself glory and honor. There's a difference between a loan and a gift. And I want you to just hear what I think is a beautiful passage of scripture described by King David as we've been going through a, a small series talking about what it means for God to be worthy of our worship, worthy of our response, worthy of our giving back to him. And today we're going to talk about what it means for us to give back to him together. And in that process for us to be able to accomplish something together that's greater than what we could do individually. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to hear um, from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, what is an awesome statement of declaration of God's glory in verse 16. It says this, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and it's all your own. In other words, he's saying that this was on loan from you. It comes from your hand and it's all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart And you have pleasure in uprightness, in the uprightness of my heart. And I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. Do you still have my my $100? All right. She hasn't taken off yet. That's good. You guys help me watch her, okay? Uh, So so when, when, when King David penned those words in this awesome passage of Scripture, one of the things that he declared is that our response to the Lord is not supposed to be um, discouraged, frustrated, disappointed, angry, bitter, holding tight to what God's given us. But the loan that he's given us, the expectation is that we respond. Did you hear what the text said? That, that it is freely and joyously returned to you. I pray that for each and every one of us. I I think today in the message that we have together, we're going to talk about what we can accomplish together that we could never accomplish alone. And, And when you think about alone or you think about giving to God what he deserves, I love the story. Some of you remember the name Calvin Coolidge. Um, Some of you don't, but he was the president about 100 years ago, the 30th U.S. president. And after he died, 
Um, a person who traveled with his team, uh, one of the, one of the news, uh, news individuals that traveled with his team shared a story that he had asked not to be shared until after he died, um, but it was a pretty intimate one. While he was, um, after being elected as president, he was traveling and he was in a hotel room and somehow a man got into his hotel room and he woke up in the middle of the night hearing someone kind of rifle through his belongings. And there was this very special watch that was engraved that he saw this man pick up. And, and um, what, what the reporter would later go on to say is that, that he said something like, I wish you wouldn't do that. So can you imagine this man who's going to steal um, from someone? What we find out later is that he was trying to steal enough money to get um, the train fare to make it back to his college for him and a classmate. And he did not realize that he had walked into the president's hotel room, um, bypassing the Secret Service and all that surrounded that. But the president then, Calvin Coolidge, said, I wish you wouldn't take that. And then he asked him to read this, and it, and it said that it, his name was engraved on this. So now he's shocked. I have just stolen from the president. And then he went on to ask this young man who was stealing from him, what are you doing? And he expressed the fact that he was trying to get enough money to get, to the, get to, back to college. And instead of calling in the, those who were security guards around him, he pulled out his wallet and he pre proceeded to hand him the $32, the exact number that this man needed to travel back to college. And he said, this is a loan. And I love this story because the historians would say that later he, he said that he got paid back his $32. And what I love about that image, and as we laugh about the $100 that I placed in this young lady's hand, is that, is that when it comes to our resources, we can have two perspectives on it. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can recognize that there is a myth that surrounds our things that says that they are our things. They are designed for our benefit, for our pleasure. And as I reflected on this, have, when you've lost money, how many of you have lost money that was valuable or, or you lost something that was precious to you, a ring or a piece of jewelry, or um, maybe you made a financial decision that was a mistake and it's, it hurts us, right? It, it makes us anxious because of something that was valuable to us that was lost. But I want us to understand when we have the perspective of, of the Lord's understanding of our resources and what we see in God's word today, when we understand that it's all been a gift from him and it's on loan, it allows us to be able to allow those things to no longer possess us, but for instead for us to recognize that they give us an opportunity to be a part of what the Lord's doing to bring himself glory and honor. Just like Calvin Coolidge was aware of this man that was sneaking into his room, uh, I want to remind you the first point this morning that's going to flow from God's word is that our God is aware of how and what we give to him. Now, now some of us, say, do you guys know the difference between get to and have to? You guys know what, know what I'm talking about? Uh, when, I, when I say to my kids that they need to pick up the stuff that the dogs have left behind, that's a have to, right? Uh, when we ever mention honey hut in our household, that's a get to, right? And, and for some of us, when we think about giving our resources to the Lord, there's a part of that that we feel that angst and pressure inside that says, I have to. 
And I want you to notice as we look at this beautiful passage of scripture found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, in the later verses, we've seen earlier, if you get to study it, you get to see the plans that were made to build a temple and incredible amounts of money were invested in building this temple, described as a house that's appropriate for God, uh, a place for the Ark of the Covenant to rest and, and the description of it, it was incredibly expensive. But instead of this feeling like a have to, instead what we see from those who contributed to it was that it was marked by an outrageous joy, a celebration of being able to be a part of what God's doing to bring himself glory and honor. And as we check our hearts this morning, if you are concerned or discouraged or frustrated by the necessity to contribute to what God's doing, I'll just gently remind you in his word, he says that he desires for us to give not grudgingly or out of necessity, but cheerfully. That's what God desires of each one of us. And we see this modeled in his word. In verse 10, it says this, therefore, King David blessed the Lord. So this giving was an act of worship to the Lord in the presence of all of the assembly. These people had gathered together in the verses before we see it recorded to contribute to the construction of this palace that was worthy of God. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. So, so it's borrowed, right? It's not that we own it and possess it, but instead that it's on loan for us to be able to see, as King David said, that it is his and it is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as the head above all. I think David understood that everything that we have is on loan. He goes on to say in verse 13, and now we thank you, O God, our God, and praise your glorious name. And then like Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 6 with the same tone, he says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own we have given to you. See, David wasn't forced to give back to the Lord. Instead, he understood this as a mode of worship and response that's appropriate to the God that he loved. And I think it's important for us to remember the way that we give to God shows how we feel about him. The way that we give to God shows how we feel about him. I, I um, recognize that in our culture today um, that we're kind of discreet about how we give things. We give online or we've got boxes in the back of the room. I've been in some cultures where there literally um, is a plexiglass place that people would give their offering during a church service and um, people would walk up on stage and you could absolutely see how much, who, who thinks we should go back to that? That would be incredibly awkward, wouldn't it? So you could actually see what was given and I can remember in one service that uh, we, I think they added it up while we we're waiting in between and we did another round of that, right? So, so in the culture that Jesus was in, when he um, shared um, what I think is a beautiful example of what it means for God to understand our hearts when we give them uh, was a time period when people were aware of what others gave. And I want us to just catch this, that God's aware of the mode and tone of how we give, what we give and how we give it. In verse 41 of Mark chapter 12, 
Jesus taught his disciples this, and the way that he taught them was that he asked them to gather around in the temple where offerings were given publicly, and he, and he said to the disciples, I think something that was helpful for us, he sat down opposite the treasury, this is Jesus, and it says that he watched people putting money into the offering box, and culturally, this would have been something that was very public, it was connected with the temple treasury, and um, there were times when people, you just kind of get this sense of like a triumphant amount that's been told. People understand how much has been given. And so it says in the text, many rich people put in large sums. And we know that they're large sums because they must have done it in such a way that people understood how much was given. And then the plot twists in verse 42. It says that a poor widow came and she put in two small copper coins which make about a penny. The description here is this is very little. It, it wasn't a substantial amount of money, but for her, it came at a huge cost. Verse 43 says, and Jesus called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box for they contributed out of their abundance but she gave out of her poverty. Out of her poverty, she has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. Now, when Jesus says this, what he's saying is the God that we worship when it comes to our giving is aware not only of how much we give, but he's also aware of the fact that the, the way that we choose to give back to him, the attitude that we have in the process that we give it, the understanding of what it means to connect with him in a way that goes beyond us doing it grudgingly or out of necessity. Do you guys know who this is? Yeah. You guys recognize it? Who's this? Is that Oscar the Grouch? Is that what it's? I love, I love Oscar the Grouch. I love some of the things. I love uh, one of my favorite quotes from him is, don't let the sunshine spoil your rain. Just stand up and complain. That's what Oscar, you know. so, so, so when you think about somebody who's curmudgeonly grumpy, angry, bitter, disappointed, discouraged, frustrated with their circumstances, always wanting something more than what they have in Scripture, when it says to us that we ought to be people who don't, do not give grudgingly or out of necessity, but that God's desire for us is to be people who give cheerfully, the opposite of being a grump. And I, I think that's what God desires of each and every one of us. And so when he says that God loves a cheerful giver, that's not a manipulative statement. It's, a, it's actually saying, do we understand the difference between have to out of necessity and get to? Because it's our privilege to join in what God's doing to bring himself glory and honor. We see the fact that, that when David set aside these resources and the people that surrounded him, there was momentum that came from understanding that they get to join in what God's doing to bring himself glory and honor. The next thing that stands out to me in this portion of scripture is not only is God aware of what we give and how we give, but God takes the little fishes and loaves that we offer him and he invests them for, he uses what we, we give to invest them for his work. Uh, that he does a mighty thing through the small things that we give. So this little $100 bill on loan, still there, good job. Uh, this, this little gift combined with other gifts, when it's combined together, it can accomplish something that's huge, that could never have been accomplished alone. 
I love the way that verse 16 puts it in 1 Chronicles 29. It says this, O Lord, our God, all of this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all is your own. I know your God that you, O God, that you test my heart and you have pleasure and uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. What I love about church in general and what I love about being a part of God's church is that there's things that we can accomplish together that we could never accomplish individually. I also celebrate the fact that God in his infinite wisdom did not just decide that he's going to deposit money into the bank accounts of churches all across the world. But instead, what he chooses to do is he chooses to take the pennies of the very poor and the, the sacrificial giving of the wealthy, and, he, and they combine together in such a way that it allows his work to be continued on to bring himself glory and honor. You know, it's fascinating about church stuff in general is that people may not completely understand this part of it, is that when we approach each year as a church, one of the things that we do is, as we look towards the next year, is that we spend time praying about what we think God wants us to do in the next year. So we did this in 2021 for this year. And so we start with those who are doing ministry in a tangible way, or those who lead ministries, and we ask them, how much do you think it's going to cost to do ministry in the next year? And then we combine that, and there's a group of people that are volunteers at the church here who help us to work on what would look like a budget for the next year. Now, when we say budget, it sounds kind of weird, but those of you who are here for Botter, um, those of you kids that were with us, you guys remember that the, the um, air conditioning unit broke in like the hottest uh, week in the summer. Do you guys remember that? Some of you remember. It was very hot in here during, during Botter. Uh, and so, so some of the, the, the reality of the resources that we have is that some of that just goes to things like repairing an HVAC unit that, that broke. Or at other times, it goes towards helping to support ministries that we have uh, that are happening here in the church. And so that week, part of what happened um, was that there were people who'd contributed. We weren't anticipating it, but the resources um, that were budgeted for um, ended up being used to help keep things functioning around here. Well, as we set the annual budget, one of the things that happens then is there's a group of people who pray about it and kind of uh, decide, well, we can't do this or we need to do this. And they cut it, cut it, cut it. And then it gets presented to the elder board who um, also makes decisions about that budget. Then uh, it goes back to those in ministry. We, we pray about it. And then ultimately it's approved by our church family. And in that process at our annual meeting, one of the things that happens is we say, all right, Lord, what are you going to do this next year to bring yourself glory and honor? And what's amazing about it is that he usually does some pretty incredible things. And, um, and, and over the years, he's blessed us to be able to provide for our needs. Now, some of you have asked, so what happens if more money is given than what they're, um, we budgeted for? And, and what that just means is Tyler and I and Dan, we all get to go to Disneyland. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not how it works, right? So what we, what we end up doing is, praise the Lord, we're a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and we get to participate participate in what God's doing to bring himself glory and honor. Another thing that you've heard me talk about is um, we have a mortgage that we pay for this building. And so part of the desire that we have in order to 
create a firm foundation for the future of ministry here is that we want to pay that thing off. And so we're excited about that. So all of this stuff you might say like, well, why are we talking about this? Well, what I want you to understand is that when we get to contribute to what God's doing, uh, one of the things that we recognize is we get to participate in the things that God's doing to bring himself glory and honor here in our community. I love this next picture. Um, this is a picture of, you can barely see it, uh, there on the left is Hope Church. Uh, we're there, and this is our little community that's around us. And I think one of the things the, that God does when we give to his work here is that we get to see his hand at work in our community. We get to see God do great things, and we get to actually see lives that are changed through sacrificial giving of individuals. This is what we've seen happen in our community around us. Ultimately, uh, we also get to participate in seeing lives changed um, ultimately around the world through our giving to the Great Commission Fund through the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, I wanted to share a special recognition of how sacrificial giving can impact an individual's life. Uh, thankful so much for the Laird family. And um, this, this last year, just a few months ago, um, Connor and Caitlin Laird, um, their, their wonderful grandmother, um, she, Jean, she went to be with the Lord. She passed away. And uh, it was a really hard thing. It was something that we mourned. Bud loved his wife so very much. Jeff loved his mom so much. And uh, there was a quick transition from her knowing that she had uh, cancer to ultimately dying. And, and in the sadness of that process, one of the things that I had the privilege of doing was just to hear more about Jean's life. And there was a story that was shared with me that I want to share with you because it was so Fascinating to see how God used the generosity of one individual to change and impact her life in a very significant and special way. So Jean grew up in Olmstead Falls, a community that's not too far from here. And um, there was a pastor's wife in that community and their family. Um, the parents didn't always take them to church. And so there was a, a pastor's wife in the community that, that fell in love with Jean. She's a wonderful person, those of you who knew her. Um, and um, really encouraged Jean and invited her, kind of like some of you did to send some of our kids to life. They helped to um, make it possible for her to attend a vacation Bible school at, at the church that, that she attended. And um, it was there that Jean accepted Christ, that she became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ through that invitation and the scholarship to attend. And um, it wasn't just that, that the impact stopped then, but she discipled her, encouraged her. And that pastor's wife ended up, uh, when it came time for her to graduate from high school, to arrange for some friends to help to pay her way to go to college. And um, it was to Cedarville University, the school that I had the privilege of attending. And um, it was a life-changing kind of gift that it, they... Um, this pastor's wife arranged for her to receive her degree at Cedarville. And some of you know uh, Jean Laird's name because she studied to be a teacher. And she had an incredible impact in Brunswick as a school teacher here in this community. And through her investment, um, she changed many lives. And she is someone who had an incredible impact. And I, I love that story. Not only did it affect her education, but she met her husband there. And I, we love the Laird family so much. And, and I, you hear this story and you think about the sacrificial investment of uh, a loan, the, a person who understood that 
these resources could be invested in something that made us comfortable or life easier or better, but instead it was an investment in the kingdom and the fruit that comes from that is something that we can't even, we can't even quantify how valuable that investment was for the kingdom. Isn't that a great story? Isn't it powerful to recognize that, that generosity um, when a person lives open-handed that it can literally change an individual's life, a community, it can literally change the world. So when we give, we get the privilege of having a front row seat in what God's doing to be, bring himself glory and honor. And I love the third point this morning, and that is together we can accomplish something that we could never do on our own. What's, what's powerful at the end of 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 19 is a description in scripture that describes what was going to happen. Ultimately, the production or the uh, building of this temple, Solomon was going to be a part of, and um, it was going to be successful, and this temple was going to be built in such a way that it was going to be used for ministry for the next some 400 years. And I, I just love these words in verse 19. It says, Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. In other words, what happens is the next generation of leaders are able to pick up where the generation before it left off and to move into doing even greater things. And um, this morning, as we talked about our life team, that there are at least two of those young men that sense a call to ministry. And one of the things that I celebrate the fact is that um, I want them to put us out of a job, right? I want them to be a part of the next generation of leadership that we literally hand the keys of Hope Church to, to be able to build on the foundation of what was before. So when we, when we um, participate in sacrificial offerings to the Lord, what we get the privilege of doing is being able to see God accomplish his purposes. I love this, this uh, image of the temple that was built, and it was beautiful, and it was valuable, and it was worthy of God's glory. And individuals experience the grace of God through the sacrifices that happened as a precursor to the understanding of the work of the gospel that we would understand years later. And so what we recognize is this kind of provision is not just a gift to this generation of ministry or a selfish gift that impacts our own life, but instead what we recognize is that this kind of a gift is a provision to the next generation of worshipers in order to allow them to experience the firm foundation that allows them to experience the future that's established on the work of our God. So I want to thank you for holding on this money, all right? Uh, let's give her a round of applause. She did a great job. It is real, right? That's good. Um, and I want you to, to remember, when that basket goes by, um, I want to just remind you of a few things that are helpful for us. When that basket goes by, this is never intended to be something that forces us to feel guilty or ashamed. I instead want to remind you, just like we stand together and lead each other in worship and praise the Lord together, I think that that basket symbolizes something that's incredible, and that is as things are combined together like they were in the building of the temple so many years ago, that, that our bits and pieces combine together in such a way that we could accomplish something together that we never could have accomplished alone. And so, so what I want to do is I want to have the privilege 
of seeing God work in and through you. And I think when we experience that together, God does some mighty things. And so by way of action steps, I want to encourage you to consider um, three particular ways, uh, one of which I was challenged to do when I was young, um, and it was a really powerful thing in my life. And the first one is I want to challenge you to just consider, I don't care how old you are or young you are, to just pray and ask that God would share with you what he desires of you to give to him. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about your resources, but just asking, just committing yourself to praying, God, what do you want to do with me? I want to be open-handed to you to see what you want to do in my life. And I want to encourage you, if you have the guts to pray that prayer, God might ask you to do something really unusual or unexpected or challenging. I loved after the first service, several people shared with me some of the things that God had shared with them. And, and honestly, as they shared it, it was just crazy enough for me to believe that God was in it, you know? And I'll just share with you in my own life that there was a time where that question was asked of me and I had to decide if I was going to respond to it. And I believe that that decision to obey what God was asking me to do really ultimately changed the course of my life. And I'm so grateful for it. And I, I want to remind you, this is um, a, an experience that I had in my life uh, that reminded me that sometimes what God asks of us is to just trust him, entrust our resources into his care. Um, when I was a, a camp counselor at um, Camp Carl, anybody heard of Camp Carl? Anybody been to Camp Carl? It's not too far from here. A few of you have. So I was a camp counselor at Camp Carl when I was a, a teenager. And um, one of the things they have there, they have some wonderful facilities there, but they have a stable um, and they have uh, a place where you can ride horses there. And um, there was a, a group of kids that we were riding horses with and there was a, a leader and the kids had all the right gear on helmets and things, but um, the kid that was right in front of me on his horse, I kind of saw him as we're on a trail ride, kind of teeter to the left and then to the right, and then he fell off of his horse. And um, it was one of those things where it was frightening, and thankfully there were people around. He was fine, um, but it, he landed on a bush, but not a prickly one. There was no blood, but it was just kind of a process. Now, I'm not great with horses, to be honest with you. They're a little bit scary. Um, but, uh, but, but one of the things that happened is his horse, once it, it had no rider on it, it just took off. I mean, it ran as fast as it could. And, and I don't know why, but I just felt like I was going to be a hero that day. And uh, I, I decided that I was going to chase after this horse, all right? So you guys picture this, right? So everybody's standing around this kid, they were horses. I am like hitting this horse with everything. I'm going as fast as I can. There's like Western music playing. And, and, and as I catch up to this other horse, the thought goes through my mind, what am I going to do now? I mean, like, what possibly am I going to do? And he, he turned and came back around. I'm just, I'm hitting this with everything I can. And, um, and we kind of are on a different trail that went beside the other trail. And one of the main wranglers that worked at the camp, they said, just let him go. Uh, just, just let him go. It'll be fine. And, and so against my superhero uh, feelings inside, I pulled up on my horse and walked back. And I think it was like 30 seconds later, the horse that was running came right back into camp, right? It just, it was, it was almost instant that he did. I, I've recognized that image. I think of that image in my life quite often when it comes to acts of obedience in my life with the Lord. 
is as a person who likes to be in control, wants to know what tomorrow's gonna be like, watches the things that are happening in the world around us and says, what's this gonna, I wanna be in control. I think one of the things that the Lord desires of us, especially when we give to him, and especially as it was modeled with those who gave for the temple, is that it's us just entrusting it into his care. It was never mine in the first place. I trust you. I believe that you got this. And what I have found in my own life is that my God understands the difference between my wants and my needs. And I think that's the the second application point, is to ask yourself the question, are the things that I'm pursuing in my life, they're attempting to satisfy something that's just a want in my life, Or are they meeting a need in my life? I think for many of us, we pursue that next thing that we desire to help to make us happy or feel comfortable or safe. And I think in many ways, often what the Lord desires for us is to be open-handed with those resources. And then the final application. So first one was pray about it. The second one is um, is to search your heart and to evaluate are the stuff Is the stuff that I have in my life, or is it meeting needs, or is it meeting wants? And then the last one is, I'm just going to challenge you to begin to give something. And and for some of us, um, this has been a pattern of our life where we've had the privilege of seeing God work miracles through the things that we've contributed. And for others, you may have said, I've never done this before. Uh, But I would encourage you, I don't care how old you are or young you are. Um, I believe that it's an, a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to engage and experience what God wants to do. Let's remember, he knows, um, he knows our hearts. He knows why we're giving what we're giving. We have this wonderful example in scripture of individuals who did not give grudgingly um, or out of necessity. They were not grouchy in the process of giving, but instead they gave joyfully And God did something that literally changed history for the lives of those who are around Israel at that time. That's what I want to see happen around here as well. And I want to encourage you as we invite the worship team to come forward to to join me in praying that God would remind us what he wants to do together to bring himself glory and honor. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. I ask humbly... Um, that you would allow us to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers of your word. I ask today that you would remind us of the fact that everything that we have, even those things that are precious to us, are things that have been given to us on loan for your glory. I ask that we would invest those resources in such a way that it allows the world to see how truly valuable you are to us. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.